So welcome everyone, this is Patricia Keel, and you're listening to the Oneness Program. And you may be listening on Oneness FM, or you may be listening on Friday morning at Unity FM. And today I'm so very grateful to have a, a wonderful Oneness Blessing trainer with us, Michael Milner. Michael's from Florida, from Clearwater, Florida, and I have to say... For me, Michael is one of the really, really powerful members of our community of oneness all over the world globally. He's been someone who's been on track with what is happening at Oneness University, and he's been such a gift to so many people because he shares not only his presence, but his insight, and also so much of what is coming out of Oneness University is on his website, onenessflorida.com. So right from the get-go, I just want to put that out. I want to just open my heart to you, Michael, and say welcome to the Oneness Program. I'm so happy to be interviewing you today. It's a pleasure to be with you. One of the things I love to do at the beginning of our interviews is invite my guests to share how they found oneness, or for most people, it's more like how oneness found them. And so I'd like to really pose that question to you, Michael. Okay. Um, it was a long journey, actually. Um, I was raised in a, in a Christian home, um, Episcopalian, with, with not a lot of spirituality, a lot of tradition. And as a kid, that was uh, not very interesting to me. Uh, in my late teens, I had a very uh, profound mystical experience where the world stopped Really, it was just for an instant in actuality, but the experience for me seemed like it lasted hundreds of years. And I profoundly experienced that there are other levels of reality. Um, and that was my first encounter. Um, I, I had some encounters as a child with what we might call the divine, but that was my first really powerful encounter with the light and what I recognized to be the divine. It started my spiritual journey. So I began to look east in Buddhism, Hinduism, Zen, and I ended up becoming um, a senior disciple of a Chinese Taoist master, someone who was a monk raised in a monastery in China. And I learned a lot about energy, energy healing, and began to practice uh, many hours a day, what we called then Taoist yoga. Now it's called sort of in general Qigong. But this was a very um, powerful form of Qigong, which uh, we would call in the Qigong culture, uh, Neigong or Nuigong. It's, it's actually a form of Kundalini yoga mm -hmm. from the Chinese tradition. And spending many hours a day in deep meditation, I had some amazing experiences uh, that basically um, have been at the foundation of my journey. I experienced that I was not my thoughts, I was not the mind, I was not this body, that I was pure awareness. I had that experience, mm. um, and that was really profound for me. So, so how old, you said you sort of got launched when you were a teenager, and then you began this practice. How old were you when when you had this experience of really an awakening? 17 years old. Oh my gosh, wow. And um, it rocked my world. I had no idea as an Episcopalian kid uh, what had happened to me at all. Uh, but I experienced myself as being everyone and everything. Uh, I, was, uh, I was Hitler, I was Christ, I, was every, I could experience all of these different personalities as being part of a unified field of awareness and, and the light behind that. And, uh, of course, I wanted to know what had happened to me. So the, the years that I spent with uh, my Chinese Taoist teacher were very profound in opening doors of awareness and understanding of consciousness and also working with healing energy. Then, in my early 20s, I began to have some profound experiences of Christ, uh, which uh, initially I thought were going to ruin my world. Because 
because he was connected with the Episcopals, and that wasn't too much fun, huh? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I wasn't excited by anything I discovered in the Christian tradition, and and uh, I was amazed when I first encountered mystically Christ. Mm, yes. And at that point, I was uh, an ordained Taoist priest, and I was committed full-time to teaching Taoist meditation and Qigong and the healing arts. And um, anyway, uh, that caused a shift in my life, which led ultimately um, to me becoming an ordained Christian minister and a pastor. Um, initially, and interestingly enough, it seems like my journey's kind of the opposite of most people's, I became um, an evangelical, charismatic, Protestant minister. Wow. Well, that fits in with oneness perfectly. I mean, if you could experience Hitler and you could, I mean, why not? Why not? Take That's it right. all on. Yeah. Beautiful. And, and so pioneered a church here in Florida, which was different in that there was, because of my experience of spirit and the mystical dimension, always was more open, I think, than you would encounter in most evangelical churches. Um, and uh, after a number of years of pastoring that church, founding other churches, doing missionary work all over the world, I had experienced a shift because I very profoundly experienced um, the divine as present everywhere in everything. In fact, I experienced everything as existing within the divine. So there was no longer a distinction in my consciousness between this being holy ground and over there in the corner bar, that's unholy Un ground. Oh, beautiful. I experienced God everywhere in everything and everything in God. And that didn't fit comfortably in um, the, the Protestant paradigm for me. Um, which made a real distinction between good and evil and God is present here in this person and in this place, but not in this other place and in another person. Um, so in, right at that point, um, I discovered St. Francis. Beautiful. Our friend, brother. Brother Francis, yes. And I became a lay Franciscan uh, brother and began to live in an experimental Franciscan community in the Ozarks. And for a while, I worked within uh, the Roman Catholic Franciscan tradition um, and very much involved in the contemplative renewal that's taken place in mainstream Christianity and especially in, in the Catholic Church since the 1960s, when so many young people began to explore Eastern religions, looking for a really um, vital and direct experience of the divine, they began to look elsewhere. And the Catholic Church began to bring out of mothballs its ancient contemplative tradition, which had uh, pretty much been kept in the monasteries just for the contemplative monks for a long, long time. And out of that came the centering prayer tradition um, and, and some other practices uh, that opened the door for lay people to begin to experience uh, profound, deep contemplative prayer, which is the equivalent of what we would describe as meditation in the Eastern traditions. Right. So, so the Thomas Keating and that kind of beautiful practice. Uh, Thomas, as a matter of fact, is a personal friend of mine. I, and I see that. Yes, yes. <laughs> So that went on for a while. Um, and eventually, uh, I, I had certain conflicts of integrity with uh, certain uh, teachings uh, within the, the formal Roman Catholic Church. And I left that church and uh, became ordained as a priest in another rite, uh, an Eastern Orthodox rite. And uh, I continued to pastor uh, for a number of years, um, a congregation that was quite open to other traditions, uh, to contemplative practice, uh, also to uh, women in ordained ministry and a lot of freedoms that, uh, that we didn't find in the Catholic tradition. So uh, 
at the end of um, many, many years, uh, several decades of full-time pastoral work, um, I finally became totally burned out with organized religion and religion in general. I decided religion is just for the birds. Spirituality rocks, but <laughs> religion had finally taken its toll on me, and I went on uh, a two-year sabbatical. And I began to work as a carpenter. I, oh, gee. <laughs> I am already designing the This Is Your Life Michael game. And, <laughs> and there's, there's a spinner involved. And you end up, whether you end up with the Franciscans or the Evangelicals, now, it, now we've got the carpenter. I love it. I'm just having so much fun with this interview. <laughs> well, well, my whole journey was kind of backwards. Most people would go from a tradition a conservative Christian tradition to a more liberal one, sure. and then find Eastern traditions or something like oneness. Well, I had it backwards. Jesus, he preached, well, he worked as a carpenter for 30 years, preached for three, got himself crucified. I, <laughs> I did it the other way around. I preached for 30 years, and then I got crucified in religion and worked for three years as a carpenter. I love um, it. My, my two-year sabbatical turned into three years of working with my hands with tools as a carpenter, and I just loved it. No one knew who I was or my background. I wore blue jeans, you know, work clothes, and went into people's homes and remodeled. I just loved it. But I began to feel um, some discontent toward the end of that period because my purpose on this planet isn't just to work as a carpenter. I've been involved in spirituality all my life and have continued to teach Taoist meditation through the years. So one of my students uh, of meditation, he's actually a teacher of Tai Chi Chuan and Qigong and Taoist meditation himself, a very profound teacher, um, had been my student for 15 years. He came to me one day, um, to uh, me and my wife, Suzanne, in our living room, and said, I want to tell you about this thing called Diksha. I've been receiving it for the last year, and it, it comes from India, although it's not limited to any particular religion or spiritual tradition. And it really catalyzes a profound process of awakening. And I think you might be interested in it. And he told me that it originated uh, from these, these people in India who were born in the very highest state of oneness and that they had a vision to help humanity shift at this time, uh, to shift the collective consciousness of humanity, that when enough people um, in the global population become awakened beyond the illusion of separation and begin to uh, live in oneness, roughly 0.001% or one in 100,000, about 70,000 people on the planet awaken into oneness, that it would create a shift in the collective consciousness from uh, a global consciousness rooted in fear, competition, and conflict um, to one that is rooted in harmony, cooperation, and peace. Well, well that sounds wonderful. Um, but I was very skeptical because I've been around a lot of uh, movements and spiritual teachers, um, many of whom were beautiful. I've spent time with Tibetan masters and masters from India and Zen masters over the years. And um, when I heard about this thing coming from India, I was, I was a bit skeptical. And I said, well, let's just sit here in our living room and pray. And let's... Uh, let's ask uh, Sri Bhagwan, who's the founder of the Oneness University, he and his wife, Amma. Um, let's ask Bhagwan to, to show us if this is authentic. And he said, well, I don't know how that's going to work. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even a Diksha giver. And, well, I said, don't worry about it. If, if this guy in India is in the state of consciousness that you say that he is, he'll hear my prayer. There you go. And we'll see what happens. And I have my tongue stuck, stuck really firmly in my yeah. cheek. But I said, I'm open-minded. Here this we go. So we prayed, and it was a pretty irreverent prayer. It was fun actually sharing this with Sri Bhagwan years later. <laughs> but <clears throat> I said, Sri Bhagwan, um, this is a pretty outrageous story. 
Um, but I'm open-minded. However, my, my Taoist teachers in my youth taught me, talk cheap, you show me. And uh, I'm along in years now. I don't have any time to waste. So if this thing is real, I'm really on board. And if it isn't, no time to waste. Uh, so it was, it was kind of an irreverent, flippant, humorous prayer. But instantly, um, our living room was filled with the most amazing divine presence and energy. And it lifted me into a very high state of divine awareness, which I had experienced many times over the years, had lived in for some time. Although at this point in my life, I was fairly, as I shared, burned out and, and broken. Some people might describe it the dark night of the soul. I'd been there for a number of years at this point. And <clears throat> so merely experiencing this sort of euphoric divine presence and awareness, that, that isn't what really grabbed me. That lasted for about 20 minutes and it was beautiful. But the next thing I knew, this presence took me deep into the unconscious and began to bring up in my awareness um, the root cause of my suffering. I began to experience the, emo the suppressed emotional charges and the unconscious um, material that was buried uh, deep beyond anything that I could consciously access, um, beyond the reach of any spiritual technique or yoga or prayer meditation form that I had ever practiced. I understood that when the, this deep stuff begins to emerge from the unconscious and come into awareness, this is the work of grace. Mm. That got my attention, and I went, this is really cool. <laughs> and uh, so I contacted the person that was then leading uh, Oneness in North America and said, I had this experience, but I'm not sure if it was really Diksha, because there wasn't a Diksha giver present. <laughs> And uh, the leader at that time said, well, I'm going to be in Florida in a couple of weeks, as a matter of fact. Come see me. I'll give you Diksha, and you see for yourself. And, and uh, I did receive hands-on Diksha at that point. It was the very same energy and experience, and I was just hooked. And uh, the rest is, is history. I've been to the Oneness University about 10 times over the years, and um, it brought back about a dramatic shift in my life um, because I had been suffering for so long and all of my interest in religious movements um, had sort of died and withered i was in a very zen place of just accepting what is in the present moment uh, but the what is in the present moment for me included a lot of loss a lot of suffering and as i continued to receive deeks on a weekly basis after that first experience, um, all of these emotional charges that were suppressed in me began to surface and I experienced them in awareness and they began to lose their grip on me. And one night, a very special diksha was given to help uh, the participants fully experience their suffering. Now, this didn't sound appealing to most of no. us. No. <laughs> but... At this point in my life, suffering had become my bedfellow, my best friend. And, and I understood that um, to stop resisting our suffering and, and to experience it in awareness was release, was freedom. So I was delighted when that diksha was given. I was all ready for this upsurge of suffering and emotion and darkness to come up from the unconscious. And it was a complete dud. Um, I experienced nothing. Every Diksha I'd experienced before this, there'd been a beautiful energy and presence, I felt. Um, and this time I felt absolutely no energy, no presence at all. I spent a couple hours in meditation afterwards, waiting for all of this suffering to come up. Nothing happened. Um, I went to sleep perplexed, woke up the next morning, spent a couple more hours in meditation, and there was just nothing. It was just empty. So I went on about my day, and halfway through my day, it hit me like a ton of bricks that where I had been filled with suffering and resistance for so long, when I looked within, all there was was vast emptiness and peace. 
And at the very center of that vast emptiness was beginning to unfold this gentle bliss. And that inner silence, that vast emptiness and bliss has been with me ever since. That's certainly not the end of the journey. There's no end to the journey. And I've been through plenty of layers of release and, and processing since. But that deep peace, that vast spaciousness with bliss has been with me ever since. I was so elated. And at that point, um, some, some really uh, what I considered uh, unproductive uh, behavior patterns that had, uh, that had sort of begun to um, emerge in my life during the years of, of sadness and the dark night of the soul, um, behaviors that, that were not really healthy that I couldn't, I couldn't let go of just began to fall away from me. I was so filled with joy um, that I didn't care if I had another mystical experience as long as I lived. I just wanted to go to India and get initiated so I could share this good stuff with everybody else. Wow. What a beautiful story. I just love the, just the image of you looking for that suffering, you know, like, where is it? I'm going to meditate. I know it's going to show up somewhere, you know, because <laughs> we get so conditioned. We just get so conditioned to having that experience in, in the mind and then in the body. You know, I think this would be a great time. I, what a wonderful story. I mean, this is your life. It's not a story. But anyway, I'm sure that many of our listeners uh, can identify with huge, vast pieces of the story without having any connection to either Taoism or um, St. Francis or any of the places that you journeyed in your spiritual journey to um, to feel the suffering that's there when we're disconnected from the presence of the divine. You know, I just, um, I can feel it myself in my body. And I, I would love right now, before we take a break, if you would lead us in a oneness blessing. Absolutely. And, and to really, because to me, your journey is that journey of connecting with that divine place within ourselves. If you would take us um, into an intentional diksha with that as the intent for all our listeners. Okay, let's do it. So wherever you are, let's just close our eyes and take several long, slow, deep breaths. Let your breath just deepen and slow down. And as you exhale, you could just let go of any stress or worry, burdens that you're carrying with you today. Just let it flow out with each exhale. And inhale peace and grace. We're all immersed in this presence I was talking about. It's a, an infinite ocean of pure, unconditional love and awareness. We relate to it differently in different traditions. Some people call it God, some the light, some the field of pure awareness, some spirit, source. This is the origin of all being and existence from which everything springs, and we are immersed in it. And there has never been any separation except in our perceptions, in our minds. This presence loves you unconditionally, exactly as you are, and yearns to flood you with every grace for awakening and transformation and healing. So just receive this beautiful, loving energy.
So we give thanks for the grace and the power of this oneness blessing, of this amazing phenomenon that is flowing all over our world. And you're listening to the Oneness Program here on Oneness FM, Unity FM. This is Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel, and I'm here with Michael Milner today, enjoying our time together. We're going to take a little break. We'll have a chance to listen to some music during the break and just settle into that blessing as you relax in the physical body. We'll be back with you in a moment. Swami Bhamata Chapita To the Oneness Program, and I'm here with Michael Milner from Florida. What a great blessing to be with you today, Michael, and to hear your story of really uh, your journey, your search uh, to connect with that deeper divine presence that is ever with us. And one of the things I'd love to ask you you know I, I mean you have had a journey as as a minister and as a pastor and as a priest in many different traditions and I'm a minister I'm a unity minister and and I didn't start out that way you know I started out as a deep seeker and and then came to the place where I had found a presence that was so powerful I wanted to share it with other people and yet I know that as a minister, sometimes people think that that our journey is somehow different or, or that the way we interact in the world is somehow different because we've put that collar or hat or robe or whatever on. And, and what I know in my own life is, you know, I get up in the morning and I put my pants on like everyone else. <laughs> and, and my experiences are very, you know, they're very ordinary in a way. Um, you know, I have kids and I relate to them. I have uh, parents who right now are, are no longer on this plane. But, you know, I interact in the world. I get in traffic. You know, I go to the bank. I go to the grocery store just like other people do. And I wonder if you would share a little bit about everyday Michael, you know, the things... <laughs> that that have um th- that are part of your world now that that you notice in this process of awakening uh that you interact in the world in in a way that may be different from how it used to be absolutely well i i do have a fairly ordinary life actually <laughs> i'm i'm married and i have children and uh there's all the hustle and bustle of life with a 10-year-old girl and a 15-year-old boy in our household. And wow. And all of that's going on while we do this work with oneness. But what, what has impressed me more and more is that the awakened state isn't some flashy thing. Um, you know, I, I, I spent time with all of these phenomenal spiritual teachers over the years and read all kinds of books about uh, super paranormal experiences. And what we learn in oneness is that the awakened state is just the experience of reality as it is in the present moment without resistance. That is the most amazing experience. And um, there's nothing flashy about it. Uh, it has nothing to do with mystical experiences or visions. It's being fully present to life and the people around us. So um, one of the things I've noticed is that 
Um, I feel the same things everybody else feels. You know, people still cut me off in traffic and can be rude. And uh, <laughs> that, that's still an unpleasant experience. And, and an emotional charge may come up on the inside. Um, because as long as we're human, that's part of being human. We, we share the whole range of emotions. And so it's not so much that life has changed on the outside as that the things that used to really trigger reactions in me don't. They just kind of slide off. I call Dietsch spiritual Teflon. Mm. You still, uh, it's our experience of life that changes. We still get splattered with the same old stuff going through the day. It just doesn't stick to us and, and, and grip our emotions and broil us all the time like it used to. So I notice that as I become more and more aware and clear that my senses are sharper, that I have a, a sensitivity to what's going on inside of myself and the people around me. Relationships become much richer and deeper. But life is very ordinary. It's, it's the same as it always was, chopping wood and carrying water, taking care of business on a day-to-day -day basis. How, um, how is your interaction with your children um, are they Diksha givers now or they, have they, um, I mean, I know you do these major trainings and events mm -hmm. in your home, so they must be basking in this energy all the time. Well, well, they are. And, uh, we also have, uh, some older stepchildren who are in their twenties, um, uh, a boy and a girl. And they're all, they've all been touched by this energy. The young ones who live with us are immersed in it all the time. Our 10-year-old girl is, is very open to this energy. We've not initiated her as a Diksha giver. Um, she's very aware of the presence uh, of Diksha and the divine and, and enjoys it. Uh, the boys have been a little bit less interested. Um, I, I would say that our 15-year-old son um, is curious about what we're doing, but he's not actually much involved. Mm -hmm. um, but it has affected our relationships in, in a profound way because um, one of the beautiful things about the process of awakening is that as we, as our hearts flower, it touches everyone around us because in reality we are all one. And so we have beautiful relationship, I think, all of us. Uh, but no, they haven't become directly involved in the oneness movement or in giving diksha, although that energy has touched them in a profound way. Mm. I notice my, I have a, a daughter, she's in her late 20s now, and I notice how she, when I, um, especially a couple of years ago after when I came back from the training and, and started doing a lot of trainings um, and being really involved in the oneness movement, on a very regular basis, um, she would kind of look at me because I wouldn't respond in the way I used to respond. And she's kind of like looking for mom. Where'd she go? <laughs> Where did that person go who used to react in certain ways to how she would show up in the world? And um, it's been quite beautiful. The curiosity is, is a real uh, blessing, I think, for all of us, because it makes me more aware about the shifts and changes that are happening in relationship with my family. Suzanne just reminded me to, to be sure to mention that our, our 29 year old daughter is an initiated Diksha giver. She's very much involved, has gone through a number of processes and just loves it. And she is such a beautiful individual flowering so beautifully. Um, what, one little story that comes to mind very briefly, um, uh, a fellow oneness trainer was asked, how has this affected your relationship with your family? And I just love the, the unpremeditated story that she told. And I asked if I could share this with people. She said, it's kind of like when I'm with my family, I'm a coat rack. And they all gather around <laughs> and they, they take off their coats and they throw them on me. And there just aren't any hooks. They just slide off on the floor. And they stand there looking at me in amazement, looking at their coats on the floor and going, aren't you going to pick these up? And she said, I really don't think they're mine. And so, you know, that's, there's so much less uh, uh, reactivity 
involved in the way that we relate with our family members. It just, it makes it a lot of fun. It really is fun. It's very humorous sometimes. (laughs) Well, I, I, one of the things I've already mentioned, and I love to, um, to let you speak about this with our listeners, because I know actually I had a call yesterday from someone who listened to Unity FM, listened to the Oneness Program, and she lives in Florida, and she said, I have been struggling with trying to really deepen my connection with God, and when I hear this message that you have of oneness, and I feel the oneness blessing so powerfully through my computer, I want to connect with you. I want to have more of this. And I just was jumping up and down in my kitchen. I told her, I'm in such joy because this is exactly my intention for this oneness internet radio program, that people will feel the blessing and they'll want to connect. And so I said, well, I happen to know someone in Florida who's doing major trainings, and that would be you, Michael. So I'd love it if you'd share a bit with our listeners about what you're doing there. You're, you, is it Flowering Heart Center? Is that the name of your center? Yes, we, and it's, it's part of our residence, actually. We, we were blessed with a very big house um, that we got specifically to take people through processes. And um, you can see a little behind us the altar. Um, but the entire house is, is dedicated to this purpose, and we have a lot of space. So um, we give uh, various processes here. We take people through the Oneness Awakening, which is a two-day, we call it a course, but it's really a process, very experiential, mm-hmm. um, where uh, they, they experience a lot of, of diksha and uh, learn about the art of suffering and, uh, and, uh, and, and in the end are initiated as Diksha givers. Uh, we also give deepenings, uh, usually several times a month for initiated Diksha givers where we come together and do some advanced processes. Um, and we travel to other places. There are, there are quite a few Unity churches right here in Florida, actually, where the Oneness Blessing is being given regularly. Uh, we have a, a weekly meeting here at Flowering Heart Center on Wednesday nights where people can just come and experience Diksha for themselves. Um, and it's absolutely, uh, there's no cost involved, just come. And the information about that is on our website. And that's onenessflorida.com? Uh, that'll take you there. We have a lot of domains. The actual domain name is onenessmovementflorida.org. Okay. Oneness, onenessflorida.com will get you there. Okay, great, great. Well, thank you. Well, I think this would be a, um, a great time for me to ask you, what is in, in your process right now? Because I think that you're a trainer and you're a Diksha giver and you hold these spaces for other people. But in your own personal process of awakening, what is for you really bubbling up what what is either an experience that that has uh, is is impacting you in this moment uh what is something that you would be really uh remiss if you didn't share with our listeners right now i'm just gonna it's kind of like the uh the floor is is open for you to dance upon (laughs) what's the dance that you have for us well this this is a phenomenal time uh, on earth, not, not just within the oneness community, but so many people are experiencing uh, processes of awakening, accidentally and on purpose, uh, not just in the oneness community. And there are certain things uh, that we're all experiencing at this time. A lot of what uh, Suzanne and I call core charges uh, at the root of separation, at the root of ego, at the root of the mind, is fear. And what I've noticed in my own process is that if an emotional charge is triggered, um, I see instantly that it's tied to a story. 
And we've learned to drop the story. It's completely unproductive. Um, and to just begin to feel what's going on on the inside. And what's going on on the inside uh, in that case is I'm feeling contraction. I'm either expanding, which is rooted in love and, and, and it's freedom. If there's any contraction at all going on in the inside of me, there's fear underlying that. And I've become more and more aware of that charge. And just to em embrace it and be aware of it, and it immediately begins to expand and lose its grip. Um, and even though I experience this ongoing spaciousness and peace and bliss, these deep layers will come up from out of nowhere and give me the opportunity to either go, oh no, what's wrong? And, and, and begin to try to break out of it, which is futile. Resistance is futile. <laughs> so that's the mind going in, oh no, what's wrong? I'm going to analyze it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to try to change it. Or I'm going to, you know, race off and do some meditation like Chakra Dhyana or Ananda <laughs> Madhava. I'm going to, I'm going to go get a super diksha, you know, mukti diksha or something to just blast me through this. And really, I'm noticing more and more all that's necessary is simply to ask for the grace to be aware of what's causing this contraction. And that's where I experience this naked fear, which isn't always an intense thing. Sometimes it can be. Um, and uh, Sri Bhagwan recently has been, has been uh, emphasizing that at, at the root of the mind, at the root of the ego, is in fact fear, which is kind of silly. But, um, but it's a very real thing, and it becomes covered up by all kinds of other emotions and stories and I'm becoming more and more aware of that level. And, and just, well, that's all there is to it. To see is to be free. Mm. Uh -huh. So do you, um, do, you, uh, do you feel it in a particular part of your body? Because I know so much of this, you know, is in oneness, they're really asking us to be aware of our senses, be more tuned into the physicality. Um, how is that experience for you? Well, um, it's not always the same, but uh, I've noticed that oftentimes if there's a, any contraction in awareness, I would experience that kind of in the middle section of my body, probably mm -hmm. the solar plexus. And the minute it comes into awareness, I experience a shift into the heart and into the higher chakras. So you so, don't just go eat chocolate or you know you i love what you were saying you know when you start feeling fear that you go do a mukti do a, you know do a chakra dhyana where most people who mm. might not be in oneness and certainly not at at the place that you are in your experience most people would try to distract you know they would go tell the story to five other people and get sympathy for whatever it is or you know go eat or drink or watch tv or go sh or some of those other ways that we try to control mm -hmm. the uh feelings that are coming up inside of us instead of going into them so and then sometimes we'd go into those feelings and there's the tendency to want to try to breathe through it or if we just go deeply enough into it it's going to release and mm -hmm. like it shouldn't be there and there's nothing like it shouldn't be there it's just to be aware of it and not resist it mm -hmm. which of course is a work of grace and we get better and better at it as we go along yeah it's a very tricky one you know as a unity minister because unity has this teaching they call denial and it's not the denial that we normally think of where you're in denial that's that you're not you know you're living with a somebody who's an alcoholic and and you're just being in denial that they're really there that the elephants in the living room it's rather an idea that we don't give power to a particular experience feeling thought that we have and i think there's been a very major misperception in what it means to not give power to it because i think it, what what's happened is a lot of people have moved so quickly away from the experience that the experience 
kind of has its way with them and it deepens its root and its foothold in consciousness. Instead of what Sri Bhagwan is inviting us to do is going more deeply into the awareness of what is there in the moment. So it's been for me a major shift in terms of my um, my own practice um, of unity principles and my understanding of how the grace really flows. Beautiful. So let's. This is a perfect time for us in our sharing today, Michael, for another oneness blessing. And I'm going to invite you to lead us and to really guide this blessing in the way that the divine is guiding you. Okay. Well, we could just be with our eyes closed and in whatever way is comfortable for you, from your heart, invite grace. Invite the presence in whatever way you understand and relate to that spirit to flood you with grace. Thank you. Blessings, blessings. So we accept and receive the grace of the oneness blessing. Mm -hmm. Reminding our listeners, this is the oneness program you're listening either on Oneness FM or Unity FM. This is Patricia Keel, and I'm here with Michael Milner. And Michael has been sharing with us today his journey from priest to crucified to carpenter. (laughs) <laughs> a spiritual journey of grace, finding oneness. What? When did you find oneness? What year was it that you found oneness? It was right at the beginning of 2006, right at the beginning of the year in 2006. Beautiful, and, beautiful. And later I was in India. <laughs> wow, I was there in India too in 2006. March of 2006 was when I was there. I know that you have an amazing wife, and I'm watching you on Skype and every once in a while I see you look up to the right and I think she might be right there and I am going to um, I'm going to say that I when we get off this interview here I'm going to connect in with Suzanne and set up a time to create an interview with her because I know that she has amazing things to share with us as well and it would be beautiful to have that time with her and share it with our listeners on the uh, oneness program so we have a few more minutes left Michael and um, I just like to have you share with us you have a you are a real teacher I feel I mean I know that as because your journey has led you as a teacher in so many fields and also a healer Um, is there a particular miracle that has really touched you in this journey that you would like to share with us oh my gosh where to begin (laughs) I've seen so many you know um uh, in one of the things that I saw throughout my time working in Christianity were the profound healing miracles. And <clears throat> this is an area where so many of us now are challenged. Uh, either ourselves or family members need healing. Um, I've, uh, I was just myself uh, almost a year ago. Um, almost had gone blind in my right eye. And uh, they couldn't find out why. It seemed uh, to have something to do with the, uh, the retina of my eye. Uh, 
I went to specialists. They could find no, no reason for it at all. But there was definitely a disappearance of vision. And Suzanne and I prayed because we were so focused on the grace of the divine and of Diksha for the purpose of awakening. We realized that there was a, a, a potential for Diksha to bring about tremendous miracles of healing. And um, so we prayed for that gift and particularly for Suzanne, who's been involved in the healing arts as well for many years. And one night she told me about uh, a kind of divine download that she'd been experiencing of healing grace. I said, I'll be your guinea pig. Oh, great. <laughs> and she put her hands on me and gave me a very special diksha. And uh, the vision in my right eye went from almost blind to crystal clear in 20 minutes. Whoa. Uh, so that... That miracle's impressed me. And, uh, I would be majorly impressed. Thank you, Amabogwan. Thank you, Suzanne, for being a channel for that. We'll hear more about that, so be looking for that. Wow, that's quite extraordinary. And more and more, um, we're, we're seeing the willingness of the divine uh, to heal through Diksha. So it's, it's maybe just a side effect of these energies of awakening, but a profound one. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would encourage people to really... Um, see the healing and, and to give or receive diksha with a very clear picture in their hearts, not of the problem, not of the sickness, but of the healing. And more and more we're seeing it in, all around us and getting reports from other diksha givers around the world that that's happening. Beautiful. Beautiful. I know there's a, a wonderful um, woman, Michelle, who's created a weekly prayer call with people and now it's as i see it's it's really almost global it's very international and people are praying and i, I know i'm part of that prayer process and really checking in and there have been some quite amazing healings i my um my step grandson went was in a coma and i immediately called her and put him in the healing um he was in a major motorcycle accident and he was out of that coma and out of the hospital within a week he was out of the coma in about two days after this diksha energy came to him it was quite extraordinary so i'm with you on that michael you know we we seem in our in our yeah. western you know just in our the fact that we have physical bodies that that kind of healing seems like more of a phenomenon to us because it is something we can touch and see and feel and yet what I know is at the deep level, the spiritual journey that you had and the movement of grace in your spirit really is as much of a miracle, if not more, than what happens and what we can see and touch and know and experience in the physical body. And so it's all there for us to really tap into this grace is moving at every level of being consciousness um, and we are so blessed so blessed yes we are so just a shameless promotion for your work what's happening what's up in the next not in the next two weeks because the show will probably not post on unity fm for a couple of weeks but what's coming up say late august september at your uh, center well, in August, we're offering a oneness bhakti yoga process here for diksha givers and a couple of deepenings. The dates of those are on our website. We're doing a oneness awakening course in late August. And then in early September, uh, we're going to be going to Unity Christ Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh, beautiful. Uh, yeah, we've done several processes there already, and we're really excited about going back. That's such a beautiful uh, unity community. I don't know if you've been there or not, but very loving community. Who's the minister there? Do you know? Uh, and Margaret Hiller. Oh, Margaret. Oh, Margaret's amazing. Yeah. And oh, her, my gosh. Margaret's one of those people. She does healing work and people's teeth got straightened in her healing. Yes. She and, and David are great. I've had David at Unity of Berkeley, but yeah, fabulous. They're, they're both Diksha givers. Mm -hmm. uh, but 
uh, our hearts have been knit together in a special way. And we, we don't travel a lot. We're not like on the traveling circuit. We have been to a number of Unity churches in, in Cincinnati and in Houston and, and Chicago and, and Kansas City and, and as well as here in Florida. So we've had quite a relationship with Unity. But that particular congregation in Myrtle Beach, is just, we, they're very special. And both Margaret and David are Diksha givers themselves. So. Beautiful. That's going to be a oneness awakening, but there will be a public talk and special deepening, a oneness bhakti yoga. There's something for everybody. Four days of processes we're going to be doing there in early September. And this is early September. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Labor Day weekend, actually. Oh, great. Oh, great. Good. Well, this has been such a joy to have you on the Oneness Program, and I know that many people will be blessed by hearing of your journey and Hopefully, there'll be people that you will touch who will fly down there and be with you. You're, are you in Clearwater? Is that right? We're in Clearwater, 20 minutes from Tampa International Airport. And actually, we do have people fly in from all over the world for whatever reason. I love uh, that. Yeah. I used, my parents used to live in Tampa, so I, but I didn't know you then when they were there. So anyway, many blessings. It's been such a joy. And again... Give us the website so people can connect. It's onenessmovementflorida.org. But if you put it in some funny other way, you'll probably It'll get It'll come the- up anyway because you have so many things on there. There's some great videos people can listen to, lots of articles to read. Get your mind all hooked around it. And, uh, and then go visit Michael and Suzanne in Clearwater. Please do. So many blessings. It's been a joy to spend this time with you, Michael, and I look forward to connecting with you perhaps in India. Who knows where we'll connect again? I'm sure we will, and it's been a real pleasure. Thank you and an honor to to be on, on the call with you. Great. Well, namaste. Namaste. like to invite all of our listeners to a special trip to India, to Oneness University in November. I'm organizing an India Darshan pilgrimage with my friend and fellow trainer, John Farman. We're going to be leaving on November 1st from San Francisco, traveling to Chennai and going to spend a week at Oneness University, staying at the Golden City, visiting the temple and sacred sites of Oneness. We'll have a special darshan with Sri Bhagwan, and we will then go north to Delhi and spend another five days in a beautiful ashram that will host us called Shantikunj up near Haridwar. We'll take a special day trip to the Ganges and Rishikesh. So I invite you, if you're inspired and interested, to join me on this incredible once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage to India. Go to my website, onenessprogram.com, and send me an email. Click on there. You'll find out more details. I'd love to meet many of you in India. November 1st, we leave. Blessings. Wow.